the light trees and news, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Eric. Hey, that's me. What's up? How's your quarantine going? You know what's weird? I uh, Here's the thing. There's like this meme going around where people don't know what day it is. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I'm very aware of what day it is, but I realized today that something happened two weeks ago and i fully thought it was like three days ago Mm -hmm. like i've just lost like a whole week i am one of the people who is forgetting what day of the week it is even though uh, i don't know i i'm like i have enough structure still in my life with like work that i'm aware if it's like a weekday versus a weekend but what has been happening to me is i've been having really weird stress dreams uh, okay. And I was talking about this with Chloe, my roommate, and I found out uh, they've also been having really stressful uh, dreams where, like, they'll randomly realize in the dream they're not wearing masks or, like, gloves and freak out. I had a dream that I was grocery shopping and just throwing anything I could grab into the cart. <laughs> um, because if you are if you don't live in New York City right now, or maybe this is the case wherever you do live, uh, it's impossible to get groceries delivered right now and obviously we're not supposed to go to the store so it's Mm -hmm. a little tricky uh the situation so yeah i was stress grocery shopping yeah that's uh i've been grocery shopping once since everything which is like a month ago so it's like and it's a weird process now because it's like you're not supposed to go out but then sometimes it's your only choice so you have to get as much as you can in your one trip and yeah, like, they're they're trying to like enforce the social distancing as much as they can. So like a friend of mine who lives in my neighborhood went grocery shopping and they had drawn like squares on the sidewalk that were six feet apart. And that's where you would line up like to queue to get into the grocery store. Yeah, the the grocery store near my house has not done that, but the pharmacies are. So like mm-hmm. I tried to go, I needed some medicine. So I tried to go to a Dwayne Reed and like they were only... It was weird. It was like they were open, but the 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 automatic doors were closed and turned off, and they were manually letting people in ten at a time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was like you got to wait outside until somebody leaves before they let one more person in. Right. They'll usually and, cap it at like four people, and then you just have to like rotate in. Yeah. So it's it's a weird process now. And like I went to the grocery store full like mask hood like you know like you know like a makeshift hazmat suit almost (laughs) yeah and like it even then it was like you like get to the end of an aisle and you have to like peer out and look both ways and like yeah like do do a real like narrow turn around the corner and then like hope nobody else is in the next aisle and like you're like trying to find something and somebody like (laughs) there's this weird standoff that happens where like you'll be looking you'll be trying to find something and somebody like comes down your aisle and then they just freeze and they're like what do we do yeah that was happening a lot like when i was going for walks i haven't gone for a walk in over a week now because i figured i should get very serious about the quarantine um yeah but when i was going for walks yeah there was always this weird sort of standoff if somebody was walking the opposite way (laughs) down the sidewalk (laughs) and i have to say nine times out of ten if it was a dude, I was the one who ended up having to go into the street because I don't know mm-hmm. what it is about heterosexual men, but 
it's like they feel like they're showing weakness if they move. So you're going to have to go into the street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I voluntarily walk into the street on the off chance All that right. a car is coming. Okay. So, okay. Uh, I Well, I've been going on walks, but it's great because I get off work at 6 a.m. So I can leave my house and go on a 6 a.m. walk. Oh, that's and great. Like, like, nobody's there. Yeah. Like, nobody, like, nobody's got reason to get up early anymore. So, like, I can just go 6 a.m. And I live right. I live adjacent to, like, a very nice park in Brooklyn. So I can just literally, like, go for a 6 a.m. walk in Brooklyn. And, like, like there's nobody out. So it's that's nice. Hell that's the yeah, one. Dude. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. I miss going for walks. Quarantine is weird. Um, my cats are definitely sick of me. Like, I think last week they were finally like, did you lose your fucking job? Like, why aren't you like the contempt they're looking at me with is really insane. Uh, so they're probably going to kill me. Um, yeah. So I wanted to get to recommendations. Do you have any like quarantine projects you've been working on or are you just chilling? I've, my quarantine project has been getting my life together. Sure. So that's been my... Eric, like, that is the biggest project you can have. Yeah. I mean, I, I like sat down. I, like, I bought a desk. I got a desk. I got. A, I bought the desk Holy before shit. the quarantine. But like it came... I bought it and then we went on lockdown. I didn't know we were going on lockdown. So I felt kind of bad because I bought it beforehand. But then it finally came and I bought a desk. I put it together. I rearranged the room a little bit. So I have a nice little setup now. Nice. Um. I made a I made a spreadsheet of all my finances. Holy I, shit! I know I'm going crazy. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I've just been doing that, um, working on my podcast and stuff. Um, but mostly, yeah, just trying to like, you know, if I'm gonna be forced to just be around, not doing anything, I was like, I should like get my shit together and like, you know, start organizing some things and, you know, getting stuff done while you know while I'm sitting here. Hell yeah. Uh, well, I have been watching a lot of movies and the entirety of The Sopranos, which I'm going to talk about again on today's Let's episode. No, no, no. I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm okay, halfway through okay. the last season. Nobody sent me spoilers, even though I know mm-hmm. the big I like I know how it ends. But right, right. the little surprises until then. Don't tell me anything. Definitely um, don't talk about it because I, I watched The Sopranos like couple months ago for the first like i'd seen episodes but you know watched it all the way through for the first time uh the last big thing that happened and again this show it's been 20 years so if you don't want to hear spoilers for the sopranos (laughs) i guess skip ahead to the music cue whatever but the the last big thing that happened was um sill killed uh aid Mm, yes uh which sucked because i genuinely i really really liked her uh she was a sweet girl she was just caught up in some bad circumstances uh but i felt really really bad for her i was was fully invested that was a rough scene to watch oh yeah yeah, and the the fact that they didn't show it and they just show her crawling away trying to get away is horrible horrible i hated that yeah uh yeah i i mean i guess this i i you know uh i guess this is my only real recommendation because this is all i've done since the last time we talked i've watched billions twice (laughs) okay so (laughs) i started watching it so long ago i forget where i left off i think i watched season one and season two but then i stopped Mm -hmm. this was such a weird journey because i recommended it to you Yes. You watched it, loved it, and now I think do you do you finish it? Is it over? 
No, so there's four seasons that okay. are available for streaming. Season five starts on May third. Oh my god, you know when season five starts? That's so funny. Yes. I want I so you recommended it to me forever ago, and I watched the first episode because you could watch the pilot for free. So I watched it, and I was like, "This is a great show." But then it was like one of those weird things where like, "Oh, you have Hulu, but you have to buy the Showtime extension." Oh yeah, I hate that shit. So I never did it because I was like, I don't want to pay for no. uh, even a month of Showtime just so I can watch the show. So I never did it. And then finally, I was so bored during quarantine that I – and uh, through some service, I forget which one. But they, they were offering like a 30-day free Showtime trial. So I was like, I can watch the show in 30 days. And then I watched, I watched it straight through in a week. Oh, my God. 48 hours. <laughs> 48 hours of billions I watched and then I liked it so much and I did that thing where like I binge watched it so hard that I it started to feel like my real life sure. it started to feel like I started to feel like I lived in the tv show so then I just started watching it over again oh my god that's so crazy I've never had a brain where I can do that like you know how some people will read a book and then they just read it again right after yeah. Uh yeah, or like rewatch a show like that. I I can't. I'm like I've already seen this. Why would I watch well, it again? Part of it too is that I watched I watched it the first time so hard and so fast <laughs> that by the time I got to the end of season four, I was like, what the hell happened in season one? I don't even rem- I can't even remember four days ago because I I've watched 48 hours of an entire world go by and I was like, I can't, I, do, I can't even remember what happened in season one now. So I had to go For back sure. and rewatch it because I'm going to watch season five when it comes out. And I was like, well, I got to know the whole backstory and I've forgotten half of what I just watched. I have thought about uh, rewatching lost now that like my emotions are not so loaded about the ending, mm. maybe right, right. taking that journey again, but we'll see. There's so much stuff that I have never seen that I want to watch. For example, yeah. Eric, the other day, I watched with a friend of the show, Meredith, uh, we watched The Man from Uncle. I saw you tweeting about this. I do not know what this is. Oh, my God. It's so good. So, The Man from Uncle apparently is a reboot of a television series that was on forever ago. I'm pulling up the Wikipedia page so I get these details right. Um okay. So it came out in 2015. It's a Guy Ritchie movie um, starring Henry uh, Cavill, Army Hammer, Alicia Vikander, um, Elizabeth Debicki. And it's based on the 1964 television series of the same name, which was created by Norman Felton and Sam Rolfe. Um, And it's basically like spy versus spy. It's at the height of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this professional thief turned CIA agent um, and uh, who's a daughter of this alleged Nazi scientist turned U.S. collaborator. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just about like a bunch of spies trying to take down nazis um and you know they all fuck each other because they're spies of course um but literally and figuratively like they fuck each other over and they also like (laughs) have sex um it's super gay in like an unintentional way uh it feels like or i don't know maybe it's like supposed to play into the camp but um yeah so oh and hugh grant and jared harris are in it too 
Damn, what a cast. I know. It's crazy. So it's so kitschy and it's so fun. And like I tweeted this, so excuse me for like paraphrasing my own tweets. I hate when I do that. It makes me so self-conscious. Um, but it l- truly was like, people were like, Guy Ritchie, you can't have a chase on every mode of transportation. And he was like, get my fucking camera. We're doing this. Cause oh, like, I can. There are chases in like old-fashioned cars, boats. Uh, there's an absolutely, I guess this, this might be a spoiler because it genuinely surprised me. So again, if you are wary of spoilers from a movie that came out five years ago, <laughs> skip ahead. There's an absolutely insane moment where <laughs> Henry Cavill's character drives a truck onto, like, he crashes a truck into a boat. And it's <laughs> fucking crazy. It's so well done. Uh, yeah, it's, like, so fun. If you really just want to watch, like, a good old spy thriller. Um, yeah. I don't even know if that's the correct genre, spy thriller. But, like, it's just fun. It's so fucking fun. So if you haven't Sounds seen cool. it. Uh, I think we we rented it, so it's not like streaming anywhere. Right. Oh, that's cool. It sounds good though. I want to check that out. I will watch. I have no idea if he's ever done anything problematic, but I will watch anything that Army Hammer is in. Oh, okay. So here's an insane factoid that I just learned about Army Hammer. Did you know that he is the great great grandson of the man who founded the Communist Party in New York City? What? I believe his name was Lionel Har- Hammer. And oh like Army Hammer's friends were like close personal friends with Stalin. <laughs> what the fuck? And he like sent the Hammer family. He like gave them his blessing to go to the United States because he thought they would be good ambassadors for communism. Right. <laughs> Holy shit. Or wait, great. it might have been Lenin. It was Lenin. Yeah. I did not know that. That's insane. Yeah. Uh,. So crazy. Um, but yeah, the Hammer I family did, is wild. That is crazy. I blew somebody, uh, one of my coworkers' minds. They didn't, I was talking about, because I was talking about the movie The Social Network, because mm-hmm. I, I, I unabashedly love that movie. Oh, yeah. And they didn't know that he plays both of the Winklevoss twins. That's so like they, one of those things did where Did they think that they that those were like twin actors playing it? Yeah, I think he thought they were twins or that it was like you get a stand in and you just like face double, you know, like the stand in or whatever. Yeah, they did that but sometimes actually, in some of the scenes. Right. They had a double. Yeah. Um, but I think most of the, a lot of the time he's playing both roles. Yeah, I think he um, is. We just again, Meredith and I just rewatched The Social Network as well. Yeah, because it, it just got added to Netflix recently. Yeah, so. man, uh, I, it's I so it it good. It's so fun. And that, believe me, as someone who is not a fan of Aaron Sorkin, <laughs> generally speaking, <laughs> it pains me to admit that. But, like, I was just, like, quoting the movie to Meredith as we were watching it. That line where he's, like, uh, Army Hammer's character, he's playing the Winklevoss twins, and they're very angry at Mark Zuckerberg, and they're like threatening to go across campus and beat him up. And he says, uh-huh. "I'm six foot two, two twenty, and there's two of me." Yeah, it's such a good line. It's such a good <laughs> line, and I was like, "Fuck you, Sorkin. Fuck you." Yeah. That movie is so great, and it also got me to re. I re- I recently like made a playlist on on Spotify of all of the soundtracks that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross have done because oh. they do. They did the soundtrack for that movie, and they've done a bunch since, and they are the so good. The music's so fucking good, yeah. It really, really holds up. And, like, every time I rewatch it, I'm just struck by the fact that, like, man, Andrew Garfield really steals that movie. At the end, like, when they have oh, their yeah. big confrontation, I was like, damn, he's such a good actor. Yeah, he was great in that. The whole movie is just great. I, I liked it so much. 
Yeah. Uh, so did you get to see the SNL uh, remote cast? I intentionally have not watched okay. it. I, <laughs> I feel like maybe I should, but I saw that they were doing it. And I was like, I can't handle this. Okay. I can't take a, I cannot take a Zoom SNL. Let me say this. So maybe I'm just sentimental because I miss comedy and... <laughs> You know, who the hell knows if the theater is even going to reopen at this point, uh, UCB. Um, Mm -hmm. But so I don't know if it's just that, like, I miss my friends, miss my community, miss, like, making funny stuff. I liked it. Like, okay, are there weird parts? Yeah. Like, Weekend Update, they did this weird thing where they had their poor friends sit in uh, via Zoom so they could laugh at the jokes. So there was, like, an audience there. Um, it's very awkward. It doesn't work. Uh, it's in fact bad. Um, (laughs) but then there are really like charming moments. I don't know. Like I, am sure the charm of this will wear off eventually, but I like how the quarantine has sort of forced us to revert back to local access television. Right. And like, first of all, I am scandalized that that many SNL actors don't have more wigs at their disposal. (laughs) Like, I truly was horrified that Kate McKinnon did an RBG impersonation without a wig on. I was just like, this is so weird and awkward. But then, like, (laughs) Chloe did uh, her impersonations just, like, of shit she was finding in her closet. And she does a Timothy Chalamet impersonation that is so fucking funny. Like, I think she did really well. Uh, But it makes sense, right? Because she was sort of like an Instagram comic. So she's used to doing, like, those front-facing videos. So she crushed it. Um... But yeah, I don't know. I thought it was really sweet and charming. Yeah, I think I I probably will watch it at some point. I, the idea turned me off because also I've just like I've seen I have not watched any of them, but I've just seen so many people attempt like like Zoom improv shows. I and know. Stuff. I can't. Take I can't. This. I, I can't. haven't. And like, no shade. I'm glad people are being creative and supporting each other. Uh, sure. But like, especially in our community, we get invited to a ton of like improv uh, Zoom <laughs> shows and I cannot watch. I have not attempted to watch. I'm like, I how? Especially like musical improv. I'm like, there's a lag. The connection's it's, bad. How are you guys going to do this? It's hard enough doing like a work meeting over Zoom. People are just talking over each other. Nobody knows when to talk. Like, I can't imagine trying to act like it's. I just can't imagine. Like, I'm sure somebody's done it and it's been fun. I just, I can't, I can't watch it. I can't. But I, I will say the idea of a Zoom SNL probably did, like, as you were saying, like, probably did highlight, like, who got onto that show from doing, like, internet videos and stuff Mm -hmm. and who didn't. Because it's like, you know, some of those people are just very, like, some of those people, that's all they were doing before they got on SNL. And so it's like, when you're that's when that's what you're used to doing like you can make it work with whatever you've got yeah for sure and it was also revealing <laughs> because like some of the cast members are in like um like a nice apartment but you can tell it's like a new york city apartment it's not very big and then they cut mm-hmm. to colin jost who is clearly in scarlett johansson's home <laughs> in la and it is just right. massive behind him <laughs> it is so funny and like the contrast of him by michael che <laughs> just like Michael Che just has like a white wall behind him like don't get me wrong I'm sure Michael Che is financially doing very very well he just uh paid for the rent for a bunch of people who lived in public housing with his grandma who sadly died of COVID um and you know um 
let's let's not get into Michael Che. <laughs> I feel like we could talk about Michael Che forever. Um, uh-huh. But it's just so funny the contrast of <laughs> Michael Che's right. home and then uh, Scarlett Colin Johansson's jo- home, who uh, where uh, Colin Jost is being allowed to live. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did read somewhere somebody said I can't re- for the life of me remember what it was, but somebody was remarking that like Kyle Mooney has just like a really terrible movie poster like on the floor <laughs> at his house. It's uh, it's for some like terrible. Oh no, it's the it's the uh, Jack the Robin Williams movie. Oh my god! I think I think he like had like a Jack movie poster just oh. hanging out in his background or something like something. I it may not be that, but it was something like that. It's just like what the hell's happening? Like, where does this person live? Yeah, Kyle uh, and Kyle and Beck are very funny on the episode. Um, by the way, I bet Kyle genuinely loves that movie. <laughs> oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't have it ironically. <laughs> <laughs> I I do. I have gained a lot of appreciation for like the younger SNL crew that's on now. Like, yeah. I mean, Kate's obviously one of them, but like, like Kate, Beck Bennett, Alex Mofat, Kyle Mooney, like that whole like they're great influx of people. Uh, Melissa Villan Senor, like yeah, she's great. all of them. Like, like they're so good. Like I so talented. Whatever my whatever, yeah. whatever my thoughts about like the quality of the show recently, they are all extremely good. Even like, um, uh, I don't want to forget her oh. name. Um, e- uh, ego, ego. I don't know how to pronounce her oh, name. Oh, ego, what up? Yeah, Wodum. ego. Uh, so she was just on Las Culturistas, and like, I think I don't think it would be wrong to say that she is being underused by SNL. But like, <laughs> even listening to her, like, I didn't know anything about her background or like comedy or otherwise and like just listening to her on the show i'm like man she's so funny and she's so talented even someone of that caliber you know like even if you get on that show you're not guaranteed that you'll get to show what you actually can do um but yeah she's heavily featured on the remote snl episode she's very funny um nice she was a big ucbla person yes yeah Um, um yeah like all those people i think are so for somebody one of my coworkers recently like it's funny, like, talking to people that are not huge comedy nerds because, like, you know, like, most of the people I talk to are very aware of all the references that get thrown around. But, like, mm-hmm. one of my coworkers just recently, like, discovered and linked the uh, the extremely old at this point, like, Mikey Day, um, uh, the David Blaine sketches that he got really popular <laughs> for. <back laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, this is, like, 10 years old. Yeah. But, like. But like they're so funny, and I was just like, "This is like it." And I also was like, as soon as he posted it, I remember laughing, and then I was like, "God, Mikey Day has been doing stuff for so long." Yeah, I know, and it like how much they have to struggle, and like, yeah, you just keep at it. It's wild. Um, so also before we get to bad news, I mm-hmm. wanted to. This is just a general plea for open discourse. I am. This is a safe space. I'm just floating this out there. Um, but I want to get everybody's thoughts on it. What the fuck happened to Westworld? Because it is so bad now. Like, oh, no. borderline unwatchable. Like, I'm going to tough it out and finish this season. And, like, listen, you little sons of bitches. I know what you're going to say. Westworld has always been bad. No, it fucking wasn't. You were just not paying attention and you get confused easily. There were so many grown men who were like, I don't understand what's happening on this show. And it's like, well, either you're fucking dumb or not paying attention. It's not that complicated. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, I maintain season one was good. Um, 
what is this the third season or the second season what is time i don't know um <laughs> i haven't watched the past season one so i don't know you've never seen it at all past season one i haven't watched oh, the past, past season, season one. one sure sure yeah this is the third season so gotcha first season was good i think second season was fine but oh my god the writing is bad now i don't know how you make aaron paul unlikable uh it's bad it's bad guys it's just bad the flip side of that is devs is great and continues to be great um listen do they really explain what the fuck's going on on that show not really but i (laughs) don't mind which is weird because like for a show that is so steeped in like tech culture and this invention that the devs team is creating, they really don't mm-hmm. explain like how it works. But again, I'm fine with it because it's just so beautiful visually and like the story is really compelling. Right. I don't really mind that the main actress can't act. Um, and Nick Offerman is great. So I know I've recommended it like every week uh, and I won't get into plot or anything because, you know, it's still ongoing and I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it's good. And it's so different. Like it's, it's not like anything else I've seen on TV. Right. I, I still need to get into it. I'm probably going to try that this week. You'll really like it. I think I really like when it is well done to not be explained to. Yes. I would so much rather like a beautiful mystery than a boring explanation. Yeah, and and some people can pull it off well, where it's like you know, it, if you do it the right way, you can show everything that you need to get out through story and dialogue and all that stuff, and like in a way that feels real, that get, like treats the viewer like a part of the world, mm-hmm. and just be like you know, just treat your audience like they already know what's going on, and if you can do it really well, it's kind of like oh, you do catch up as a viewer and you're like, I totally get what's happening. You yeah, know? it's and sort it's of like, this like contract agreement with the audience where there, it's like, if this story is compelling enough, can we fudge the tech aspect and you'll believe that this invention just exists in this world? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. In this world, they have invented an impossible thing. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, if you were actually living in that world people don't walk around and like explain things in great detail you know it's like you know you treat things like real life and that's how you know if you can do it if you're a competent enough showrunner and writer you can do it in that way where it's like we can do whatever we want and we'll treat it as if it's real and the audience will buy it right okay cool i'm on board like this feels real to me do you have any other recommendations or has it just been all billions all the time? I've literally just been watching billions. Like, <laughs> over and over and over. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. Like, if you, Eric, if you watch it a third time, legally we can have you committed. Okay. Just so you know. Like you can do right. it, but okay. legally right. we can have you taken away. Honestly, that's fair. Okay. I, at that, I feel like if I did it a third time at that point, it would be like, <laughs> this, guy, th- this guy is not living in his own life i would call and they would be like ma'am you're not a relative you can't have him committed and i'll be like he's watching billions for the third time and they're like oh my god jim get the car (laughs) this man is not well he's not well you don't need more evidence he's watching billions for a third consecutive (laughs) time okay yeah that's fair guys on that note on the note of eric inevitably watching billions for a third time here's your (laughs) bad news
So let's talk about this whole idea of liberating people from lockdown. Uh, I am confused as to, maybe this has been pointed out by news sources and I just haven't seen it. Why aren't more people talking about the fact that these obviously staged protests that are happening, uh, you know, peppered throughout the country in like Michigan, North Carolina, Ohio, are like from the, directly from the Roger Stone playbook. Yeah, absolutely. Like if yeah, like, if people don't remember in Florida after the the 2000 election, there were similar quote unquote spontaneous protests to stop the ballots from being recounted in Florida that turned out surprise surprise to have been organized by Roger Stone. Yeah, the 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 uh, the famous uh, Brooks brothers, right? Right. And here we are again, we're all white protesters. You will not see a person of color at any of these protests. Of course not. Are like storming or trying to storm uh, state houses and like other sort of like government buildings to get them to reopen and lift the quarantine. And it's so obviously staged. Yeah, it's staged. I mean, it's, you know, I, what I don't get is like, even if it wasn't staged, I mean, it was like, it would be like, this is stupid. I guess I get it. Cause there's just a, a bunch of like completely like brain melted people in, <laughs> that live in the United States that are just like, but like what got me was when you said liberating these States, like, cause that was something that Trump tweeted or like, he just went on one of his famous, like, you know, drug addled Twitter rants where he's mm. just started like just started tweeting liberate wisconsin liberate michigan or whatever right it's like uh, you're the president this is your idea like you like the like you're this is all being handled like yes the governors are instituting their own policies but like the whole thing is part of like the entire united states plan right so like to to have these you know lockdowns these you know, these quarantines, these business operations. I mean, that's it's federal policy as well as it is state policy. The, the, all of the, all of the administrative, like all of the doctors that are on the president's advisory board are all supporting them. So like, what does he think that he's doing? He's not like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I guess I understand like what he thinks he's doing, but then as far as the protests go, it's like, what do you like? I, I, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, like the as as far as these people go, it, I, I, a few of them were interviewed, and it seems to be that it's a mix of them believing propaganda, which uh, right wing propaganda about the the numbers being inflated, the the pandemic not being quote unquote that bad. Mm -hmm, um, right. Not the smartest people in the world, obviously. No. Um, and. As I said, all white mobs. Uh, there's a really, really creepy photo. Uh, I think it was taken in Ohio. Looks straight out of The Walking Dead. A bunch of angry, screaming white people, like, banging on glass doors. They full, fully look like zombies. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, literally, like, pressed up against the glass. It's so creepy. It is straight out of a nightmare. Um, I'm really, really afraid, though, that the quarantine is going to get lifted prematurely and then we're going to see a huge spike in deaths. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that seems fairly likely at this point. I, I mean, mean, thankfully, I, like here in New York City, uh, Cuomo just announced that uh, we're at least going to be in quarantine until mid-May. 
right. even that seems so conservative. I'm really, really hoping that, you know, Trump, for all intents and purposes, has basically been like, states, you're on your own. So right. the flip side of that, maybe the positive of that will be, I hope, that like Cuomo and de Blasio will be like, okay, well, if we're on our own, we're going to be in lockdown until August. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the only issue that I can see with that is that is the like the trade-off to having a lockdown quarantine type situation is that there's got to be like there's got to be transfer payments from the government and so it's like it's if if the federal government's like you can open up and then the state is like we're staying locked down there's got to be a way to get if you're going to lock down business and quarantine stuff like there's got to be transfer payments for people to get paid. Like, yeah, like, you know what I mean? don't like, get me wrong. Like Goldman Sachs, uh, JP Morgan, they'll be taken care of because New York city is also a, a huge hub for business. So like right. big businesses will be taken care of. I'm afraid of like small business owners because if the federal government is like, well, fuck you guys, you're, you're on your own. Obviously that's catastrophic for medical reasons because our hospitals need federal support right now. But on a business mm -hmm. level too, like how is anybody going to pay rent? How, how are these small businesses going to survive? What happens to the city when, I mean, this has already been happening in New York city for decades. Small businesses have been forced out. Um, poor people, usually people of color have been forced out. Um, but what is going to happen when it's really, really accelerated? That's yeah, that is my biggest worry is that because my what I see happening is if 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 Trump decides, OK, look, we're going to reopen the economy. If a state like New York wants to stay on lockdown, the only way you can stay on a lockdown is you've got to pay people like there's got to be unemployment insurance. There's got to be, you know, because if people can't work, if businesses can't open, we've got to find a way to pay people. If the state doesn't have backing from the federal government to to pay out the unemployment insurance, they might be forced to just end it prematurely. They might be forced to because it's like we can't stay under lockdown and also not pay people because then people are just going to be like dead. You know, people like like people are going to start getting kicked out of their houses, all that stuff. Like so that's what I fear is that the state wants to stay locked down and then like. But if the federal government doesn't help shore up the unemployment insurance, they're just going to have to open it up, which would be a disaster, I think. Right. Did you get your stimulus check? I did. F I fucking didn't yet. I'm so mad. So I I never uh, get money back from the IRS. I always owe at the end of the year. So apparently they didn't have my bank account on record. So right. I went to the website. I put in all my bank account information. They said I'm eligible, but I think it's just going to take me a little longer to uh, get it. But guys, did you know that the IRS has a special website to handle this mess? And you can check your stimulus status on there yeah if you didn't receive it i would definitely be on top of that for and, sure and trying to get that money because get I mean, that like, money people gotta you gotta live like, you gotta get that that's, money that's the biggest thing is like i like that that's just the trade-off it's like we we need to stay under lockdown but in order to do that there's got to be like, basically what they just did they've got to keep doing like mm -hmm. they've got to have the expanded unemployment insurance payouts with the extra money that they were doing 
Um, they're going to have to do stimulus payment. They're going to have to do all that stuff. I um, mean, like, can you imagine if they lift the quarantine? And, th- you know, we're still learning a lot about this virus and how it behaves. There's a theory right now that children, a lot of children are carrying it, but they're asymptomatic. Can you imagine if they send those kids back to school? What's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, there was, uh, I think just last night or this morning, um, a peer-reviewed paper came out because they started doing some random, they did started doing some random blood sampling, I think, around New York and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were finding antibodies um, in they, based on their sampling of, like, people who had the antibodies for COVID. They're saying that now it looks like it, the amount of people infected could be upwards of 50 to 80 times the reported amount oh that's already been. Oh, my God. Oh, my it God. Could be, and and the thing is, all, that that increase is all mostly asymptomatic people. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, I, and, I like I know people who so many people who had m- the mild version of it, you know, like had a little bit of a cough, a little bit of a fever. Um, right. They're over it now. But like just so many young people. Right. And what's dangerous about that is that that's going to be used as a selling point to say that this is not that big of a deal. Yes. A hundred percent. They're going to say, say, look with now that we know that the amount of people that had it is like 50 times larger. That means the mortality rate is actually close to like regular flu levels. You know, it's 0.1.2%. And that may be true, but the danger is that a, I mean, it, it would still be above the flu in terms of, of mortality rate, but B, it's extremely dangerous to have a virus going around that you can that is deadlier than the flu and you can pass without knowing that you have it. Right. And I mean so many people still don't understand that. I ordered some food the other day and the delivery guy was wearing a mask, but I wouldn't open the door and I was like, "Could you just put it on the stoop?" and he was like, "I'm not sick." And I had to explain to him through the door that he might be carrying it and not know it, and he genuinely had no idea. Right. Yeah. Because it's a hard thing to understand because every other real like virus that we deal with on any sort of regular basis all at least operate in a very similar way, which is like you you typically don't pass things until you're at least showing a symptom. Right. So it's like that's why they tell you, like, you know, typically if you have a fever, whatever you have, you should stay home because typically anything you have that gives you a fever means is probably contagious. Mm -hmm. And so. Typically, when you have a fever, you should not interact with people until it breaks. And so everything that we understand really about how how germs and viruses pass is all based on like when you're sick, you are contagious. Now that you know that this virus, you can pass it without it. It's like, okay, so now we're going to have the flu, which is already bad enough. Like people don't really understand it because it's kind of hidden. The mortality rate for flu is kind of like not visible, but it's. You know, on an average year, 30,000 per year, mm. it spikes up to like 50 or 60,000 a year in the United States. That's a lot. But now it's going to be like, OK, we're going to get that worse and more people are going to get infected because we don't even know we're passing it. Right. And and uh, there's just a lot that we like don't really know about how COVID behaves, too. Like we're just figuring out how long it can live on surfaces, you know. Right. So like. 
the idea that we're saying that we're going to be reopened for business in June is a joke. You're either serious and you're genocidal or you fucking know we're not going to be open in June, but you don't want to lose that reelection. What I fear is going to happen, what the most likely scenario I see is that because A, the, the election, and B, because I think there's just a general will amongst the administration and his supporters to get back to work, as they keep saying, uh, is that... They're going to go through with their th- their their three phase plan to reopen the economy, and what they're going to do is they're going to reopen the economy, and then they're just going to say, well, if you're above sixty five, or if you have pre existing conditions or something, you need to lock down, but we're not going to keep the full lockdown going. Right, right, and which again, you know, we're we're hearing more and more from medical medical experts who are desperately trying to correct that false narrative that this only kills old people. Um, right. Not that you know, obviously that's horrible, but there was a, a myth floating around that it was only killing old people, and then we heard more and more stories about like, hey, this kid is twenty two and he just died from it. Hey, a child just died from it. Like there are all these examples that you know fly in the face of that conventional wisdom right and and the danger is like even if that were true even if it was true that it you know even if it was so skewed or it's like really the only deaths are old people and people who have her immunocompromised it's like right but the problem is quarantining them doesn't help because they have to interact with other people if you're elderly and you live in a nursing home any one of the employees of the nursing home can be carrying this virus without their knowledge. Right. That's the issue. You can't, there's no feasible way to only quarantine a section of the population because there's no way to tell that they're not going to come in contact with anybody. That's right. the point. That's why we have to do these things. It's because like, there's just no way. To, and especially if we reopen the economy, then you're going to have, you're going to exponentially increase the amount of, of asymptomatic carriers. And so it's like, sure, you know, maybe it dies down, maybe the curve flattens, but how many people are going to be start carrying it? They get on a city bus, they pass it to somebody who passes it to their family, who passes it to somebody else, and then that person is a nurse. Right. You right. know, that has to go to a nursing home and then 70 people die. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's no way to track it. That's the problem. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so the next thing I wanted to talk about, it's related, are the insane jobless claims numbers we've seen over the past month um jobless claims exceed 20 million in four weeks uh inflicting a toll on the labor force not seen since the great depression um yeah i i just think like it's been interesting to watch a couple things happening one is people pondering why the stock market isn't tanking further uh and sort of watching people in real time figure out that the stock market doesn't reflect general well-being <laughs> in our country. Right. Like, uh, the stock market tanked a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago, but then it rallied. And watching all these financial experts sort of be like, huh, the stock market's doing surprisingly well. I wonder how that's possible when 20 million people lost their jobs in four weeks. And it's like, because those numbers don't reflect how we're all doing. <laughs> 
Right. And well, I mean, most people don't understand like the whole point of the stock market is like the value of a company is not based on anything other than what other people think it's valued at. Right. And they still are drinking, you know, the the Kool-Aid on that. Uh but yeah, sort of watching like business leaders be and our government uh be in such denial about like yeah we're returning to business returning to how things were before and it's like you guys know it's not going to go back to how it was before right yeah i i don't see any way that it can i mean i think i uh, you know i i i'd be very interested to see what happens when they whenever the the things reopen i like i don't know who's going to be like there's going to be such a weird thing going because a lot of the effects right now can't really be felt because it's like a lot of these businesses are just closed forever but yeah the things that typically happen when a business closes selling off you know selling off stuff selling the real estate none of that stuff can happen right now so we don't even see the full effects of it there's just plans are being laid yeah i think part of it is watching like a slow motion train wreck where People keep thinking we've hit the bottom, but we've not even come close to the bottom yet. No, no. And I, it's going to have to turn into a, a yeah, it's, there's just going to have to be, you know, the the antagonism is really going to come when the reality sets in mm-hmm. uh, of how many people, because right now the jobless numbers are weird because I think there's an understanding Maybe not true, but I think that the assumption is that a very high percentage of these workers are jobless but furloughed. So right. it's like they'll just go back to their jobs after this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they're jobless because I've been in a situation like that before where like I worked at a hotel where we had a, a huge uh, major issue where like our whole first floor flooded mm-hmm. and we had to shut down for six months worth of renovations. And so my boss laid us off because they were like, look, I, we have nothing to do because all we have, we have to shut down so they can r- literally rip up all of the, the floor. Right. But we're going to lay you off so that you can apply for unemployment. Right. And then once we reopen, everybody is re it was like written in there. It's like, everybody's rehired. We'll rehire exactly what we had. It's, right. you know, it's gonna be exactly the same. I think a lot of people are under the assumption that that is going to be the case. And I don't think it's going to be the case. That's certainly the case for some businesses. I'm sure some businesses have, you know, through like, you know, especially in New York, they're kind of like holding off on mortgages for certain things. Um, So it's like a lot of businesses are maybe biding their time. They had cash reserves. So they're like they furlough their workers and they're just kind of sitting until they can reopen. That might be the case for some, but a bunch are not going to be able to. I I have a policy pitch that I don't know how much it would financially benefit the city it would certainly help with like overcrowding here's my my policy pitch yeah if you left new york city during the pandemic unless you were leaving to care for your sick relative or something like an emergency unless you left for a legitimate emergency if you are one of these people who left the city during the pandemic to go live with your secretly rich parents Uh in connecticut or somewhere you don't get to come back. Just don't come back. You don't get to come back. You left. You left in the worst possible moment. So right. I guess you don't want to live here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's my oh. petty policy pitch. Yeah. I'm very interested to see 
that's like that that's a big one and like i said i think we are not even really aware of the full effects of it yet we're not going to be able to see the full effects until we can actually reopen and we're going to see which businesses actually reopen and which ones don't and then that's going to really show what the truth because like i said a lot of the jobless numbers might just be furloughed or whatever once the thing is reopened and we can see how many businesses don't reopen then we're going to see how many people are actually jobless and then that's also when like they stop sending out stimulus checks and stuff like that and it's going to be like okay, well, these people are all jobless now and they're not getting help from the government except for really measly unemployment. Um, and then also, I think, I don't know, depending on how long this goes, I think there's going to be a real big shift into a lot more remote work. Yeah, well, I, I know I've mentioned this before on the show. Why don't we have more remote jobs? I think, th- if anything, this this whole quarantine has really revealed the fact that so many jobs can be done from home. And they're just not because of this antiquated idea that we need to gather in the same physical space or we're not a real business. Um, yeah. But, like, think about, you know, people with disabilities, like, how cumbersome it must be to, like, get to work every day. And the fact that they now know <laughs> that they can work from home is like, what the fuck have we been doing? Yeah, I think that also, like, that'll lead to a lot of people maybe, hopefully, like, that can increase, you know, business, like, uh, new businesses. Because it's, like, especially in New York, like, if you wanted to start a business and you're looking at, like, renting commercial real estate, if you didn't have to do that, it's, like, what the fuck? Like, that's, that's like, half of business cost for a bunch of people. Did you Um, see Steve Mnuchin say that? he thinks Americans can live on $1,200 for 10 <laughs> weeks for 10 <laughs> weeks. Oh my God. Real Lucille Bluth energy. Ugh. It's just like, who, what does he think? Th- like that's not even real money. Like what does he think things cost? Like that's a man who wants to meet the business side of a guillotine. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, 12, $1,200 would be tough to live on for a month for 10, $1,200 would be tough to live on for 10 weeks. Even if you weren't paying rent. Yeah. Like even without paying rent, that is not a lot of money. No, not at all. Uh, guys, that's enough of the bad. It's that time of the show. Here's your good news. I'm putting this in the good news section uh, just because while I am not a fan of this person, only because they were just never really on my radar, not because I dislike their music, I'm so happy watching the pure joy and elation of my friends. Uh, The new fucking Fiona Apple album is out, guys. Mm -hmm. And it's called Fetch the Bolt Cutters, which we love. Um, and I, I did listen to it. It's very good. Again, I am not a Fiona Apple fan because I was too busy listening to Alanis Morissette and like Blink-182 and all of that shit. So she just was never... Classic greats. Classic greats. Uh, how dare you? I sense the sarcasm. (laughs) Uh, classic music. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
I was just never really into Fiona Apple. I was aware of her. I couldn't name a single song that she sings. Um, <laughs> but yeah, new album's great. And just watching people be so happy about new music coming out made me really happy. Yeah. I mean, I listened to it. I think it's very good. Very good. Faith Faith had a very funny line where Faith, <laughs> Faith was like, I listened to it and... It was good, but I think you had to be sad in the 90s to be a fan. <laughs> For sure. For sure. <laughs> I was sure. like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, that's basically her brand, sad in the 90s. <laughs> yep. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was – yeah, I, it was weird, like, seeing – because I saw the reaction to it. Because I don't know. I, I, it got – it was like a late-night drop or something. I don't yes. know. Yes. People, it was like, like, stayed up till midnight to download it, yeah. Yeah, but it was like, so I only saw, like, I saw the reaction to it before I actually listened to it. And it was like the first thing I saw was like, oh, like, Pitchfork just gave it a perfect 10, which they never do. Uh, They haven't done that since uh, Kanye. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, the you know, I mean, not that Pitchfork is like some, like, clout machine, but it's like, it is a thing that doesn't happen that often. So it's like when they like something enough, it's like, oh, I mean, I'll check it out. I'll see what all the hype is about. Um, I here's what's insane to me about the pitchfork thing. Listen, my bar, my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy is a phenomenal album. Absolutely should have gotten a hundred. It came out in 2010. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me in a decade, there hasn't been another album to get it. Like, it seems like an insane rating system. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's not a consistent one because it's no, like a certainly bunch of, not, certainly not. It's like a it's like a pool of freelance reviewers who get to do whatever they want. It's not like it's not like you know the thing is like if you like it's not like when like Cisco and Ebert were doing movie reviews because it's like whatever you think they're all, like you can compare their scores versus themselves mm-hmm. and be like okay they like these types of movies they like this with Pitchfork it's like it's a bunch of freelancers all giving their own reviews. So it's like I like we don't even know like there's no there's no system. There's right. no like there's no co- like coherence to the system and you can be like, "Oh, well this makes sense that they liked this but didn't like this" because it's like it's all different people. So there's no like coherence to their reviews. So Right. Um and they've I mean, it's probably not since 2010 have they really had like a ton of influence really on like popular culture i don't think for the most part i don't think people really read pitchfork that much anymore no um, but like when they give something a hundred like i see people talk about it where they're like exactly dude pitchfork right. gave it a perfect yeah like people do talk about that um yeah, yeah, yeah. i the quarantine has definitely made me as we're recording it's just constant sirens so if i get distracted mm-hmm. <laughs> guys yep. all i can hear is sirens right now um but quarantine has made me value art so much more like Right. Dune releasing some stills from that movie hit in a different way than it would have like a couple months ago. You know, I know people were making fun of it, but that beach shot is so fucking good. It's beautiful. Like, it's, it's. I mean, so I made fun good. of it too, just because, like, oh my god, Timothee, bless his little, <laughs> bless his little face and aura. He looks so sad in that photo. Uh, so I made fun of it too, but it is beautiful. It's, uh, it's like a great shot. Denis Villeneuve, he's a fucking genius. It's going to be so beautiful. I'm so hyped for that movie. Uh, Oscar Isaac is, is 
gorgeous in his costume. Uh, Oh, my God. I'm so excited. But, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, any kind of art, whether it's, like, a new album, a new movie, it just feels so exciting in a different way because it's like, oh, my God, people are still making things. Right. And, well, it's it brings up an interesting point, too, where it's like, you know, if you're a freelance artist, you don't really get fucking unemployment insurance and shit. But, like, that's all people are relying on in that right now is fucking right. Netflix. That's it. You know, Can you imagine if we didn't have the internet or Netflix during this shit? Oh, God, people would be rioting. Rioting. People would be literally losing their minds. Yeah, I go back and forth about whether it's good we have all these distractions or not. <laughs> Because I feel like if we didn't have Netflix, if we didn't have the internet, we'd probably be like uh, more focused on the fucking ineptitude of our government. But, you know, what are you going to do? I wonder. I kind of foresee like if we didn't have it, people would just be fucking losing their minds and just like running outside and having parties and shit and just completely ignoring the quarantine. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like this really weird thing where it's like, I mean, it happens all the time in our society, but I think it is more heightened now where it's like, we don't respect artists, but then we need them. You know what I mean? It's like we absolutely depend on them for our life. Like people are you be- are you referring to my tweet where I said that bored actors are the greatest threat to our democracy? Because I stand <laughs> by that. I don't know what Army Hammer is doing. Uh, I love him, bless him, but um, gave himself a mohawk and a handlebar mustache, <laughs> and I'm genuinely <laughs> concerned for his family at this point. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, there was like the whole, there was like the Gal Gadot video. Bored celebrity. Uh, I just like, yeah, people, people, even when they're not even like, there was the weird Ellen thing where she was talking about how it's like being in prison. Bored <laughs> like, celebrity and a bad you know, person. It's, yeah, it's just like. <laughs> and a genuinely know, like, bad person. <laughs> and a genuinely horrible, horrible person. Maybe the greatest uh, monster of our lives. <laughs> Maybe might be Ellen. I don't know. It was unbelievable. I was reading. Did you read that article about? I know we're in the good news section, but there was this article about like her staff was just like, oh yeah, nobody told us what was happening. No, like, they and just like po- I not told us not to come to work. I need you guys to just believe me when I say this because I can't violate people's trust who have told me things. But believe me when I tell you that is a tame example of how awful she is. Oh yeah, she is yeah. abusive to her employees. She is a genuinely terrible person. Uh, but, yeah, like, but yeah, it's just like you know, people whose whole lives is based on attention. And all of a sudden, it's like, uh, no, like <laughs> it's just like, yeah. oh, uh, now I don't know what to do. So, um, since we're in the good news section, uh, I have some good news stories about abortion and access to abortion. Uh, Arkansas. Uh, issued an order declaring that due to social distancing measures, abortions that can be safely postponed shall be rescheduled to an appropriate future date. Though the order did allow for uh, exceptions if the pregnancy uh, were life-threatening, abortion is not something that can be safely postponed as pregnancies do not simply pause to wait out a pandemic for an indeterminate period of time. So the ACLU challenged the order in one. Um, nice. Yeah, which was huge. Uh, the abortion ban has been blocked in Arkansas. And then uh, the other good news story related to abortion is a judge also blocked Alabama's coronavirus abortion ban. Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, we, we all have read Naomi Klein's shock doctrine, right? Uh, This is to be expected during a a moment of uh, global 
chaos, uh, nefarious forces will move in and try to use the crisis as an excuse to do away with things that they don't like, like um, people having access to abortion. So, of course, right-wingers stepped up and were like, oh, because it's a medical emergency, we should ban any sort of medical procedure, including abortion, um, or right. specifically abortion. Right, and it's also like... like I mean, I've been to an abortion clinic. There's not a, there's not like a huge crowd of people hanging out on the inside. (laughs) You know what I mean? Eric, I know you didn't mean this, but it kind of sounded, you were like, I hang out at abortion clinics all the time. (laughs) (laughs) All the time. Like I'm up in there and they're like, you got to get out of here. You got it. Why are you here yet? (laughs) I'm making coffee. I'm I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to like help people feel at home, you know, uh, back roads. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, it's not, it's not like, it's not, you know what I mean? It's not like, you know, in terms of like unessential things, it's like, A, it's not unessential, but B, it's like, there's not like a huge crowd of people on the inside all smashed together in the same room that would cause some sort of like problem. It's typically like very few people there at the same time. And so it's, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. in, in terms of like services that you would need to ban to prevent the spread of the virus, this is not even one that even makes sense. It's clearly just a power grab in an emergency for sure which and you know luckily um various judges have been defeating these sort of efforts but this is exactly when something like this would happen while everybody is distracted by covid so this was like a very dangerous time and um right wingers were handed a couple defeats so that's good news to me yeah it's excellent news uh shut down so what's that and a bunch of churches got shut down. So oh yeah, they're really they're oh. really flipping out about those. They're really like really losing their minds over that. Did I talk about on the show what happened with my neighbors? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so the other day, I, this is not a good news story, but sorry guys, our lives are weird right now. Look, um, there's no good news. Okay, just deal with it. <laughs> yeah, just deal with it, guys. Uh, so the other day we heard screaming upstairs, uh, and our neighbors called the cops, and the cops showed up. And apparently, what had happened was, uh, there's a couple who lives upstairs from us, and the the guy in the couple, his mom had been living with them, and she had been refusing to obey the quarantine and going to church. And oh, this was last week her church was still open still holding services and she kept going to church and he said if you go again you can't come back in here because you're gonna you might have it and you'll give it to all of us she Uh, ignored him she went out he threw her shit out into the hallway and locked her out good for him jesus christ and listen so insane like you know we're we're not friends of police on this show uh, by any stretch of the imagination however <laughs> uh watching this cop try to mediate between <laughs> the son and the mom and they're both oh, just screaming at him just like trying to get their version of the story out to him and he was like okay uh all right well and like watching him be like are you on the lease cuz like legally if you're not on the <laughs> lease they can kick you out um, right. And she was trying to claim like she had paid them rent. It was a horrible, horrible situation. I genuinely felt bad for everyone involved. Um, but yeah, some of these fucking churches are still open. Well, my new favorite thing is as the as the resident uh, conservative media expert on this show, uh, my new favorite thing is that a bunch of conservative like columnists and, and commentators are claiming that 
to prevent church services is against the First Amendment, right. freedom of religion and freedom of assembly. Right. Which is just like real, like, psycho brain shit. Like, that's like, you don't need to go to church. Even if you're a religious person, you just don't need to. No. And you can like, pray to God at home. Like he's no everywhere. Did you know he's literally everywhere? According right, to your I, dumb like, book. <laughs> yeah, like a bunch. Of, I understand that a bunch of religions have like you know ceremonies and like you know religious gatherings. But it's like I think he understands if you believe in God, I think he'll get it. That also, you need to stay home so you don't die. And I don't want to ruin any lives or or you know give anybody um, bad feelings. But also, God made the virus, so think about that. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Think about and that. So it's just. It's just like. Yeah, nobody needs to do this. I know. I understand it makes you feel better, but also you can do that at home. People are like, like I said, people are doing like weird fucking improv shows on Zoom. You can talk to your preacher on Which, Zoom. Which, and we've gone on record, we are against. Very against. <laughs> but you can tell, you get to like fucking like call your preacher on Zoom or some shit if you need to talk. Like Zoom your no preacher. Reason. Zoom him. Zoom what are you there's doing? No reason to, there's no reason to do any of this and so it's just like and but now they're like it's it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of like these these fucking weirdo people that are like storming the the fucking state house so they can go to work or some shit and it's like yeah now these people are holding like they're literally like holding protests because they like can't go to church it's like what the fuck are you doing like like you know and it's the, the the shitty part is that the remnants of these things don't get felt. So like in a month when we have a spike of cases again, people are going to be like, oh, well, nobody saw that coming. It's like, well, this all because of your dumb bullshit that you did a month ago. Yeah, I, I want to go back to what you said. Uh, I forget what you, how you phrased it, but you said none of this needs to happen. I think that should just be America's slogan right now. <laughs> yeah. America, none of this needs to happen. None of this needs to happen. It doesn't. None. Guys, it's so easy to not be awful and yet so many people have trouble with it uh well, yeah there was like this like little meme going around right yeah. at the beginning where it's like literally your call to action is to just stay home do nothing just stay home and people are like freaking the fuck out yeah i know uh guys on that note follow eric on twitter at e-r-e-k underscore smith Listen to uh, his podcast. You want to plug that quick? Sure. I have a podcast where I interview bass players. It's called Based on a True Story. Awful. And uh, I'm going to keep saying it, the full name every time because it makes you mad. I know. Um, called Based on a True Story. Uh, we have a Twitter at uh, Based, B-A-S-S-E-D-P-O-D, Based Pod. Um, and you can find it at anchor.fm slash Based Pod as well. Hell yeah, dude. Go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button if you enjoy what we do here. Um, we don't have ads because we're 100% listener supported. Thank you to everyone who's kept their support going during the pandemic. I know it's rough out there, um, but it's really, really appreciated. You're the only reason I can do the show. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. Hashtag Light Trees and Pod. If you had any thoughts, comments about today's episode, if you have any recommendations you want me to read on the show, uh, all of that is good. Thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>